This is Adopted with Anna and Sam. We love books and we love movies. Warning, here be spoilers. to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna. And I'm Sam. In this podcast, we talk about a book, we talk about a movie or TV show based on that book, we play some fun games, and we encourage you to read and watch along with us. Today, we will be talking about Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman and the movie it inspired Mean Girls. And we are joined by a very special guest host, Michelle. Hi. Michelle is not only a very good friend, she also happens to be a high school teacher. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks for having me, ladies. Oh, you're welcome. Do you want to give us your quick take? Uh, My quick take is Queen Bees and Wannabes is a great book for parents of girls. And Mean Girls, while very funny, does not stand the test of time. Uh, my quick take is that despite being a parent of a girl, I have not finished the book yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slow read, you guys. But it's a yes. dope hot take. Yes. It is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm like with Michelle on this one. Rewatching the movie, I kept thinking about how well the themes of the book are captured in the movie. Um, but the movie itself is just so dated. I like cringe watching it and I actually don't like it anymore. And so I don't think I'm going to be like liked by people when they hear this. So I'm I guess I'm going to be the mean girl's defender on yes. today's episode That's because fair. Maybe I am still stuck in high school and that's entirely <laughs> possible, but I I will say um I've uh taught this movie four different times now for my film studies class so I also have analyzed it as a teacher in regards to um, how to discuss camera angles and stuff like that and so visually I still think it's lovely and really well made Um, it's just some of the concept I find Mm. to be problematic well we have some things to delve into Mm-hmm. But do we want to start with our six degrees of separation? Do it. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, so to get from Misery to Mean Girls, I have Kathy Bates in was in Dolores Claiborne with David Strathern, who was in A Midsummer Night's Dream with Sophie Marceau, who was in Braveheart with Angus McFadden. That's how you pronounce it in his native language, Michelle. <laughs> I am so sorry in advance. Because that will not be the last time I snort laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize, dear listener. All right, I'm going to go back to where I was before. She was in Braveheart with Angus McFadden. She just wanted to say his name again. I respect it. Who was in Cradle Will Rock? Oh, see, now (laughs) I can't stop. With John Cusack. Oh, now it's just become a speech impediment. With Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. Um, was in Runaway Bride with Chris Maloney, who was in Wet Hot American Summer with Amy Poehler. Oh, very nice. Who was in Mean Girls. Very Mm -hmm. good. I like it. Oh, is it my turn? 
All right, so I started with James Kahn, who was in Elf with Peter Dinklage. Um, Peter Dinklage was in Avengers Infinity War with Mark Ruffalo. Rainbows all around. Right. Um, Mark Ruffalo was in Foxcatcher with Steve Carell. And then Steve Carell was in The Incredible Burt Wonderstone with Steve Buscemi. And then Steve Buscemi was in 30 Rock with Tina Fey. Wow. You had, a, like, a list of, like, hottie, hottie, hottie. And then, oh, boom! Steve Buscemi. I mean... Who is adorable in his own way. Exactly. Here's my hot take. Would hit it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make me snort laugh. Yeah. Michelle's, uh, Michelle, what's your six degrees of separation? Oh, well, I started with Misery. Because Clearly. that's how we play the game. Um, and I went, uh, Kathy Bates was in P.S. I Love You with Jeffrey Dean Morgan, that delicious hunk of man. Again with the hottie trends. Who, right. Who was in the OC with Adam Brody, who played Seth Cohen, who is my dream man. Okay. Adam Brody was in Chips with Kristen Bell, my goddess, uh, who was in Bad Moms with Christine Baranski, who was in Mamma Mia. With Amanda Siegfried, who is in Mean Girls. Well done. I like it. So we each had a different entry point into Mean Girls. Considering there's only, what, four actors in Misery? And we didn't overlap, not only from there, but to... Well, Michelle and I each did Kathy Bates. Oh, that's true. But we did different Kathy Bates movies. Exactly. Yeah. True story, I haven't seen P.S. I Love You yet. Well, it's, maybe it'll make an appearance in your season two. P.S. I should watch that. P.S. You also should read the book. <laughs> P.S. It's also a book. <laughs> so today <laughs> we're going to do something a little different. Um, and our book report is actually going to be a group effort. So um, Sam and Michelle, who would like to start? I think Michelle should start. How kind of you. <laughs> Um, great. So, uh, this is a very different book than anything else that the ladies have done, um, for Adapted Season 1 because it's a nonfiction book. And the purpose is to help parents, um, maintain being an active member in their daughter's lives as they go through adolescence. And to kind of under- help them understand what a teen girl goes through. It's definitely like a, like a how-to kind of book. Yes. It's not like a, I'm going to tell you a story. Right. There's no narrative to it. Exactly. Um, the closest to narrative that you get really is she gives you uh, potential scenarios throughout, mm-hmm. the, throughout the book. Yes. About ways that you can talk to your daughter when certain issues arise. And she also uses um, quotations. Yes. From interviews with girls that she has interviewed. Right. Throughout the years. Yeah. Because she started off as a teacher and then went into almost like a sociological study mm-hmm. where she went out into communities and talked with young women. Right. And she actually also then went and did it with boys and it's a different series. Right. And I think the, the great thing about this book is um, she actually 
worked with teen girls and teen boys to edit it. So they don't just offer anecdotes, but they provided her feedback with her advice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she would say, is this something that would work with you? And she, they would be like, yes or no, or, you know, maybe tweaked it a little bit. And she's actually revised it two times so this in uh, michelle and i have read the third edition anna i think you're reading yeah. i got first the edition from my public library which was not the most recent <laughs> one it it does charmingly mention what to do if your daughter has a beeper pager or even a cell phone mm-hmm. which for those yes. of you who are under 30 beepers and pagers are something that you can google and, <laughs> and it'll explain what this was um yeah, so um, in the third edition, she updates it to include social media, which was great, and also um, she included, I think, more on sexual harassment and how to deal with that, which has become, with the Me Too movement, such a focus of, you know, kind of middle school and high school and older women so she also included a chapter about younger girls uh, because what they what she was finding when she was meeting parents was that their daughters younger and younger were being affected by these issues she mentioned in an interview I watched that she talked with a woman who and, and her daughter who experienced bullying and click behaviors as young as first grade which is insane to me. It's, it's wow. unbelievable. Wow. Well, beepers were not involved, but I actually did, like, resolve an issue my three-year-old was having the other day. And, like, I was, like, thinking in my head, well, what would Rosalind Wiseman tell me to say? Nice. So, you know. It's like there's W-W-R-W-D. Yeah. It doesn't roll off the tongue. Not quite as much. Like the Jesus one does. So the book was originally published in 2002 and then reprinted again in 2009 and 2016, for those of you who are interested. So what I don't um, understand is how do you read a, a book like this and think this would, this inspires me with a, like a full-blown narrative movie? Like there's, there's, there's a leap there. Yes. yes. Very much so. Yep. And I don't quite know why Tina Fey thought she had a movie from it. Yeah, or like who 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 came to her and said you should read this book and turn it into a movie? Or I believe the story is that she came across the book and then contacted Wiseman and said I want to turn this into a movie. Yes. Cuz a bunch really of people a bunch of people had gone to Wiseman and and said we want to option your, your book and put it into a movie and they were super aggressive and pushy and she just wasn't getting good vibes from them and so she turned them all down and then Tina Fey called her and like how do you say no to Tina Fey? Yeah. It's Tina Fey. I haven't yet. Right? right? And, I, she, and I won't Tina. She, I never will. She calls me every night and I'm like come on over baby. <laughs> Jesus, Sam. She's a married woman, Sam. She's a married woman. She just, we just talk. We're just friends. <laughs> uh. I don't actually know her. Just FYI. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it gets should... even creepier when you whisper it. 
That's um, why I did it. Yeah, I'm proud of you. I'm not mad. Um, <laughs> so because of the, the different structure of the book, we decided, Sam and I, that we were going to instead pull parts that we felt were applicable and directly correlated with the film Mean Girls. Yes. So the first big point was um, where it outlined all of the different types of roles in a girl clique. Yes. So it's queen bee, sidekick, banker, messenger, pleaser slash wannabe, torn bystander, target, and champion. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things when I read this was, you know, kind of what role I identified with the most um, and she does warn you as you're reading the book. She's like, if you over, if you're identifying with any of this, don't let it stop you from reading. You know, just kind of accept it and just you know, kind of learn from it. And so I really appreciate that she recognizes that you know it's gonna be painful to read for people to be like. Oh my God! I was I was the sidekick, or you know, I was the banker. You know, I was trading information for status, and you know that was me. So it's like I wasn't a banker; I was more a messenger, which is kind of, you know, living off the drama, you know, kind of acting as a go-between and being like. Oh, did you hear? Not necessarily did you hear this, but it was kind of like, you can tell me. I totally, I, I'm here for you. I just, so, um, you know, the messenger and the pleaser wannabe are, are a little bit similar. And Mel, Michelle, yeah. let me know if you disagree. But they're there to kind of be like the supportive person to the queen bee and make them feel like, oh no, you know, you're, you're right. And I get it. Um, and then the banker, they are gathering bits of information and basically trading it to kind of rise up in the click. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I wasn't the banker ever. And I was like grateful for that because I, you know, the queen bee just comes off as like, oh, that's terrible. Like, they're not a nice people. But I felt like the banker is almost like, you know, kind of definitely not the person I would want to be because you're, you're, you're hurting people more, I don't know, bluntly for, yeah. for something that's not even guaranteed. Yeah, the thing that I really liked about the way that this is structured in the book is that it goes through, gives a description of each of the types, right. and then tells what she loses and what she gains. Uh, so, for instance, with the Queen Bee, it wouldn't, it describes her, it talks about how she's charismatic and she's the leader, and those things could be amazing, mm -hmm. wonderful traits. And honestly, it's what we all hope to have with women right not being bossy but being the boss mm -hmm. however when she uses her powers for evil <laughs> instead of good <laughs> uh, because with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> um that's when it becomes uh 
a not good situation. Right. And she talks about good popular girls versus mean popular girls. Mm. And the good popular girls are kind and welcoming. Mm-hmm. And so she goes really into depth about how cliques are not in and of themselves bad. Right. But when they go bad... They go They go bad. real bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for Queen Bee, though, she doesn't pass judgment on her, really, when it should I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. She talks a lot about how, yes, she seems to have it all. However, she doesn't ever feel that. Right. Because she doesn't ever trust anybody because she's gotten everything she has through fear mm. instead of true friendship. There's a great deal of insecurity underneath the Queen Bee. Right. Yes. And... There is a lot of pressure on her. Mm-hmm. You know, if she is, she always has to be on. Mm-hmm. She always needs to make sure she's wearing the right thing, doing the right thing, being the right person mm. in front of everyone. And there's always that threat that she could lose it all. Mm-hmm. There is a great deal of freedom that comes with being not cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, but even with uncool crowds, they're, they're still. still- like clicks. Oh, yeah. Of uncoolness. Yeah. Yes. Like, I was a theater geek. And I do improv now. None of us are cool, but there's still clicks there. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, like, you know? Yeah. Like, I was a theater kid, too, and, like, like that was the click, and there were still the roles within that, mm-hmm. like, little insular world. The next one down is Sidekick. It's the best friend to the Queen Bee. Uh, and so... In the film, Queen Bee is Regina and then Katie. The sidekick is most of what Gretchen is. She is the best friend who is trying to gain acceptance and inclusion by playing her part. But she loses her whole identity because she just becomes a carbon copy of the Queen Bee to keep her spot. Right. She has to sacrifice her own likes and wants. Correct. And her own opinions, even. Mm -hmm. Like, she doesn't get to have a thought about something. She gets to repeat what her Queen Bee's thoughts are. Right. Gretchen also is part banker, and she is the secret keeper. In fact, one of my favorite lines in the movie is um, about uh, her hair. Yeah. (laughs) Her her hair is so big because it's full of secrets. Yes. Yeah. Um, She knows everybody's business. And she uses it when it makes her position more powerful. The downside of that is that once she loses people's, once people find out that she's the banker, she loses all trust and credibility and nobody tells her secrets anymore. So she doesn't have any more power. However, she's not kicked out of the clique at this point because she has too many secrets left inside of her hair. (laughs) It's a lot of hair. Yeah. I mean, we'll get there, but her hair's dope. (laughs) Uh, Messenger. Messengers use the secrets that she's provided with, much like the banker. However, she doesn't do it to gain power or to cause drama. She uses it because she wants to be included and have everybody getting along and trying to kind of be a peacekeeper almost. The downside of that is that once people kind of find out that she's kind of talking to everybody and kind of playing each side and talking to everyone in, involved in the situation she's very easily discarded mm. by the whole group the next one down there are a lot of these but they're really good and she does a much <laughs> better job than I do of going through them 
you know, it's We're just it's... trying to spare people from having to read the whole book. You Continue. Are, you are not wrong. <laughs> uh, the next one is Pleaser and Wannabe. And this is the role of the, uh, of the girls who try so hard to be a part of things and want to be included so badly mm-hmm. that they do a lot of imitating and attempting to act the way that they think the Queen Bee and Sidekick do. Yep. The only difference that I see, really, between the Pleasers and Wannabes and the Sidekick is that the Sidekick has more social standing because mm-hmm. she is better trusted by the Queen Bee. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. But so she feels like she is a part of things and that she belongs, but she also loses herself really easily. Yes. And this situation, more than any of the others, she talks a lot in the book about it lowers her self-esteem. She doesn't feel like she's a part of things fully ever, but she desperately wants to be. Um, So this is when, in, in the movie, when Gretchen is on the outs with Regina, she is the pleaser. She mm-hmm. just keeps doing stuff that, to try and get her back. It's yes. interesting. I think Gretchen goes through more phases, more yes. more yes. different aspects of the, the different descriptions of the, the, the roles than, than anyone. I agree completely with that. Gretchen has, uh, has layers. She does. She's complex. She's like an onion. She has layers, much like her giant hair. <laughs> and I'm into them. Just like her giant hair. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. I'm sorry, that was real bad. You can edit that out. No, don't. Leave no, it no, in. no. It's staying in. Yeah. Oh well. Sorry, everybody. Torn bystander. The torn bystander wants to help the target, but is unsure of how, and doesn't think, or or doesn't think that it will help and and, and do anything. Through. Through her silence, she gains acceptance and maintaining her spot in the group. But she loses the ability to know how to take a stand and speak her mind Mm -hmm. and be the person that, in her heart, she is. That one is a hard one for me personally because I also, much like Gretchen, have been a lot of these over time. Mm -hmm. And I started out in seventh grade as a torn bystander. Mm-hmm. And then became a target. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I ended up as a champion because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not doing that crap again. <laughs> but we'll get there. Target is one of the last groups. It's a person who tries too hard and becomes a victim oftentimes because of it. Mm-hmm. The losses are what we all know them to be feeling helpless, ashamed, vulnerable anxious. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes parents don't know that their child is the target because they're ashamed to talk about it. And so one of the great things about this book is that it gives parents a lot of tools about how to address those issues. Mm -hmm. The thing that they gain from being the target, which I think is really amazing and wonderful, and I really do, as a teacher, I really do believe that if you have never been bullied it's because you are a bully Mm -hmm. and so i think the majority of people who have been a target are able to gain empathy and understanding and Mm -hmm. kind of putting themselves in somebody else's shoes in a way that you can't if you've never been there 
even though it always sucks to be a target. You know, nobody's like, yeah, it's like, sign me up. I've learned empathy through my own personal pain. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. It's like nobody ever wants to go to the dentist, but like, it's a great thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The last group is Wiseman in her first edition called this group the floaters. And in the later editions has called them champions and kind of solidified what she means by that. It's a more flattering title. I'd rather be a champion than a floater. Yeah, I don't know if I agree that champion is a better word for what this person is, though. I think that floater actually really worked well. I understand the reason that she changed it, and the reason she changed it is that she talks throughout the book about how she wants this book to help parents help their daughters have more champion moments. Yes. And a champion is really somebody who stands up and is principled and respects herself and is able to have friendships where she doesn't, you know, ditch people because someone cooler comes along to hang out that day or whatever it might be. And so I think that champion is a good word change for what she wants to do. Mm -hmm. But I think that what that this group is, it makes sense that they were called floaters originally because they don't have one set click so for her next edition we should recommend a new a new word yeah maybe do it flampion or choder (laughs) (laughs) oh my god please get in touch with wiseman and be like have you thought of choder i mean so first of all i'm gonna get her name wrong i'm gonna say dear ms rachel westman Mm-hmm. <laughs> I highly recommend that you take aspects of the floater and the champion and combine them into a word like choder. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys know when I hear back. <laughs> but watch out for the next edition. Bye. Fourth edition. <laughs> Raquel. Welch. Welch. <laughs> with special input from I mean, from me. Since I was the only one who finished the book. I don't have to finish the book to provide critique. She's not writing another edition. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. Oh, my God. Spoilers. Is that how the book ends? Yes. This is the last edition. She's like, I'm done. I'm out. (laughs) If you made it this far. Rock out, watch out, bitches. And she drops a microphone. (laughs) Oh, that's that's how all writers should. Wait, so wait, is she dead? No, she's still alive. Okay. Well, then why isn't she writing another edition? She's got other books she wants to write. You don't want to write the same book over and over again, Raquel? What She's done it already. I am disappointed. Where's your work ethic, Raquel? Right? I mean, Tina Fey can't keep doing Mean Girls over... Oh, wait. Yes, they can, because they just opened the musical on Broadway. Oh, boom. Some shade from Sam. Also, Ms. Wiseman, you are lovely, and we actually do your, know your name. If this somehow ends up in your podcast listening list, we respect and honor all of your contributions to Girl Kind. Yes. And this is for fun. Yes. And we, I actually do recommend that parents of girls read this book. Yes. Mm-hmm. If anybody was knocking me up, I would go back and reread this. Nobody is, so I'm not going to. Probably, but I mean, knock on wood, but that's how you get knocked up in the first place. You guys just you knock on wood. Yeah. I am proud of you and offended by you just with that one. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. 
Last about best thing about the champion <laughs> is that what she loses is that oftentimes she's shunned and doesn't have a set group that she be- that she feels belonging with. So she often has to grow up kind of and become a little bit more mature a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, but she also does the same thing for parents. Yes. And so Michelle and I just wanted to kind of highlight um, the parents that we think are most prevalent and kind of relate more to the parents and mean girls. Um, so there's the locker in the closet parent, which is exactly how it sounds. Um, the parent is overly strict, doesn't trust their daughter at all, even if she's not done anything to lose it. Um, and is basically alienating their daughter with their lack of trust. And so it's basically driving the child, their daughter, to act out and misbehave in basically everything they're trying to avoid. Yeah, once she gets out of that closet, she's running. Right. Yeah, no, I, I knew kids like that in yeah. high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's the best friend parent. And this is, ex- again, exactly what it sounds like. The parent wants to be the daughter's best friend and isn't really trying to necessarily parent Mm-hmm. Um, they want to go shopping together and gossip together and, you know, just be best friends, which is great when the daughter's older, but in middle school and high school, that's not what she needs at all. Can I have a Gilmore Girls aside here? Is yes. it okay to bring up Gilmore Girls? Of course. Yeah. Okay. I figured if I can bring it up with anyone, it's you too. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, um, Lorelai Gilmore actually shows a is a great example of someone who is able to be their daughter's best friend without not being, without losing the being a parent. Right. Like, I think there are some great moments in that show where she was a parent first and then was like, look, I am your friend, but I am your mom first. And what you just did with Dean is not okay. To cite a specific example. (laughs) I knew exactly what you were talking about before you said Dean, first of all. Second of all, my hot take is that she should have been a better mom, because Rory is a monster in oh. Oh, wait, this ta- season. Are we talking about spoilers? Are we talking about the reboot? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, the reboot monster, it, dear listener. I have <sighs> issues with the reboot. But she's an adult there, she and is. so she is coming out of having a mom as her best friend. But all right, I feel like the reboot something is wrong with it it was it just uh i don't i don't like the way that the, okay all right i i have started a thing now <laughs> that i can't finish because i don't think i want to go into all of my opinions about gilmore this is girls not right a now. gilmore girls this is episode. not a gilmore girls episode <laughs> and as previously stated we will never do a gilmore girls podcast because there are so many podcasts are, dedicated already yeah but you got our hot take. Hot take. <laughs> Just ignore the. That's what we do. Reboot. Yeah. Um, uh, so then there's the hip parent, and this is the parent that buys the kids alcohol because they'd rather them drink there since they're gonna go do it anyways. Oh, so the hip parent is different from the best friend yes. parent. Yes. Interesting. And here's how: the best friend parent wants their child's approval. The hip parent. Wants their child's friend's approval. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. 
Sorry, but if you're the hip parent, that's sad. And and I feel like Regina is a combination. Her mom, Regina's, Regina's mom, mom. Yeah. of yeah. the best friend parent yeah. and the hip parent. Yep. Yeah. Um, but basically, this is the parent that no teen girl or anyone even respects or listens to. <laughs> they will never ever be respected, and so. Um, again, in the movie, that like this is Regina's reactions to her mom and all that. Um, there's the believer parent. Um, I see this one a lot as a teacher. The believer parent? Yes. Yes. So they basically believe everything their child says and doesn't oh. try to actually understand the situation. So they're like, my child would never do that. She said that she did this, so I think that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, so, and so by being a believer parent, she's never actually working with her daughter and helping her daughter to kind of learn from her mistakes because she's never making them. Yeah, and she's enabling her bad behavior. My daughter's an angel. She would never do that. Exactly. You might be a believer parent. Oh, no, I'm... (laughs) She was pretending to clearly, be a believer. I, clearly, I don't believe anything that comes out of my child's mouth. <laughs> she has an angelic face, so she has the looks of an angel. Yeah, that I I know that is skin deep. Um, for the last few months, her greatest aspiration when she grows up is to be a dinosaur. That's that's respectable. Which I fully re- support. And, and high school is going to be interesting for this kid. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say about my own parenting experience. Uh, are there any other parenting types? Yes. There's one more we wanted to cover, and that's the loving, hard-ass parent. The um, champion of parent roles. Right. Oh, yeah. No, that's there's clearly like, yeah. a, this is the one you want to be. Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. And loving. it's the so, one that she says yeah. that she wants to be. Yeah. I, I think she's playing favorites with the roles. That's... Come on, Rosalind. <laughs> but the loving Howard ass is basically she loves her daughter, or they love their daughter, um, but they also, and they never judge their daughter. They don't shame their daughter, but they, you know, kind of punish her for her mistakes so that she learns from them, and they hold her responsible for her actions. So I, I shouldn't say punish, but they hold her responsible for her actions, which is super important. And I think that's something that parents should do. I, I would agree. Yeah. 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 They, t- they give a bunch of examples in, in the book as well. And it's about like, you know, she gets grounded because she got into a huge fight with her best friend, but they also will go with their daughter to the best friend's house to have her apologize. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're still there for her. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so those are the role, the major roles for the parents. Um, and then the, the major driver of the book, um, I shouldn't say the major driver, but something that she's always referring back to is this act like a woman box. And so it's this box that is actually a huge factor in a girl's behavior. And so um, in order to be popular, you need to be, um, you need to have the behaviors that are inside this box, which are pretty popular, thin, but you have the right curves, 
whatever that means. You need good hair, you're athletic, but not too bulky. You're confident, you have money, um, you have the right brands of clothes, you have cell phones, you're in control, you're smart, but you're not too intense. Um, and guys think you're hot. So if you have any of that, the you whole, are... The whole Michelle Obama. Yeah, exactly. Michelle oh. Obama's in the box. but Real talk. I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then outside the box, this is what kind of um, people shun you for. I'm so sorry. Every time you say this, all I can think of is seven and what's in the box? <laughs> what? So, what's in the woman box? <laughs> it's a woman. It's a woman. Oh, it is. It's her yeah. head. Oh, yeah. spoilers. <laughs> oh, shoot. The movie came out like 20 years ago. Oh. And Gwyneth Paltrow went as herself in the box. She did. I think that it's a spoiler yeah. that's went, known now. Went as herself to, to what? For Halloween. One year, yeah. She wasn't oh, in the box. That was the one year I didn't get invited to her Halloween party, so well, I didn't see that costume. Thanks for rubbing that in, guys. You shouldn't have unsubscribed to Goop. Yeah. So do you want to talk about why I was not invited to Gwyneth Paltrow's party? Because I didn't fit into this box. Please tell me what I did wrong. Um, You tried too hard. Mm. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) You're inexperienced with, I can't even say that with a straight face. You're having a second kid. Oh yeah, I'm pregnant right now. I I don't want to have to give you spoilers around how that happened, but... (laughs) Um, you have bad skin, you're fat, you're too masculine in why appearance. Did you, why did you do air guns to me? I didn't. <laughs> Michelle, this is a podcast. They can't see that. Well, now they can. Well, they're picturing it in their she, head. She air, she did like air like guns to me. Like yeah. I knocked her up. <laughs> That's not what happened. That we know of. You know of. I feel like I would know. <laughs> you know what? A lot of men don't. I'm just saying. This got weird. This got weird Where did so you guys, fast. what? I don't know. Just, just finish right, that can list. I just finish the box? Just finish the list of unattractive right. things. They're poor. They're uptight. They have the wrong style of clothes. They're a slut. They have disabilities. And they're passionate about uncool things. I just, I feel like every like single one of those podcast. things applies to me. <laughs> I just feel, I feel a little like personally attacked with this list. <laughs> But then, to be fair, there is an act like a man box. An act like a man box? There is. And so... I definitely didn't get to that part of the book, you guys. (laughs) It's like hundreds of pages in. It's not your fault. I mean, I got like halfway through. And so the thing about the act like a man box is this is also driving men's behaviors in how they're interacting with girls. And, um... You know, this is why there's a lot of inexplicable behavior. It's not just rampant stupidity among no. their gender. Please, no. go on. Well, one of the things about about this is that I kept thinking about was that, especially when we talk about feminism in society today, feminism helps both genders because mm-hmm. it helps women to feel more empowered and more powerful, but it also helps men break their own... Mm-hmm negative behaviors so mm-hmm. it's you they know they can start going outside the right. box and it's acceptable right yeah the, because the rules of the rules of what is acceptable masculine behavior and what is acceptable feminine behavior can be really strict and i think right we're so indoctrinated it can be really mm-hmm. hard to to see beyond those rules yeah 
It's like I won't go through the whole box for the men. Um, but one of the biggest one is acts like a girl, flamboyant, effeminate. Like if you act like that, then you are not a man. And, you know, I think one of the, the things that we are is great about feminism is saying that that doesn't make you a man or a woman. That has nothing to do with anything. And so, um, but it's a real struggle, especially when you're young, because there's so much in the media, there's your family, your friends, mm -hmm. like what you're in, you're seeing and exposed to that try and keep you in your box. And there's no off switch. Right. Yeah. Oh, I had a very well-intentioned older woman tell my daughter that she was too pretty to cry. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And it, like this is it's yeah it is it is everywhere it is yep. every. Did you punch that old lady in the face and then say you're too old to cry? Um, no, <laughs> because I have been indoctrinated with the whole don't punch ladies. Mm -hmm. Like that's been mm -hmm. really got driven home for you. Yeah, yeah. I just gave her an incredulous look, and then afterwards, my daughter and I had a conversation, and I was like, no one's too pretty to cry. Especially not that old hag. Hey -o. Hey -o. Yeah, I'm setting a good example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is it is everywhere and these, these messages are everywhere and they're so ingrained in our society. Mm -hmm. It's it's once you start seeing them it's hard to turn it off too. Yeah. So um, I think there's three more things that we wanna touch on before yeah. we go to the movie. Um yeah. Um, and they're quick ones. Like they're quick, they can, ones, they're quick yeah. ones. Um where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Halloween or Fruit let's, Cup Girl? Let's do let's do Fruit Cup Girl and then Halloween. Okay. So uh Fruit Cup Girl is uh boy seeking behavior as Michelle has written down. And it's it's true. Um so the Fruit Cup that's Girl That's why I wrote it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I believe that's why Rosalind Wiseman wrote it. Back off. Oh, I... You didn't get to that part. Oh, Maybe that was, she didn't, and it's that all was the me. Line. That was the line. That's where I was... That's where our friendship was jeopardized. Okay. It's good to know. Now I know. I'm learning things, you guys. Tell me more about Fruit Cup Girl. <laughs> okay. The reason we're bringing Fruit Cup Girl up... What? That didn't sound... I, I honestly... I have no recognition of this at all. Like, this is a totally new concept for me. This is, okay. This is definitely a later edition thing. The reason that we're bringing up Fruit Cup Girl is because this is how Katie acts when she goes after Aaron in the movie. Yes. So the Fruit Cup Girl personifies girls' internal conflict between expressing personal authenticity and codified gender behavior that they believe gets them the attention from boys. Just um, like a fruit cup. Exactly. So... You basically, she gets the guy, but feels like a fool because she's completely changed her behavior in order to capture this guy who isn't going to respect her anyways because she's acting like a brainless fluff, you know? Um, is, does the name come from the fact that she is acting like she has no brains like fruit? Or uh, is it that fruit cups are... are it, does it have to do with the fact that fruit cups, cups are lying about how healthy they are? Cause like yes. We, oh, yeah. It does. Okay. Fruit cups are not healthy, you guys. No. Not at all. Well, and the interesting thing about the fruit cup girl discussion in the book is that 
it leads to a further discussion about how when girls see other girls who are acting as a fruit cup girl, mm-hmm. they're less inclined to help each other out. Hmm. Yeah. So she's That's actually, really it's, um, they, the reason it's called fruit cup girl is because, um, of an, ex- of a story that Rosalind Weissman heard from one of her students. So basically this girl was sitting with her crush at a table and pretending she couldn't open her fruit cup and had him open it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is, wow. Yeah. That's the birth of fruit cup girl. So I have definitely never done that. Wait, is that true? I think we've all done I that. I think we've all done that. I have no memory of doing anything. Well, not like a fruit that. cup, but, but no. something similar. You've never asked a guy to open something that Yeah, but that's cuz I was lazy, not cuz I couldn't open it. Or you've never been like, do you know the answer to this question? No, see, I did not have a lot of boyfriends in high school because Doesn't my method have, not boyfriends, boys you liked. My method was to prove how much smarter I was than everyone and be a total dick all the time by like showing off which it turns out boys don't actually like they don't like that like either em- they don't really like it when you emasculate them yeah. and try and tear them down I, I did it took me a really long time to learn this I'm a little ashamed like like sophomore year of college I started putting that together just FYI we're all late bloomers here it's fine <laughs> oh that's yeah that's real talk <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, but I think that everybody in in some way has has done that behavior. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it, maybe it came as a junior in college. Maybe it came mm-hmm. as a freshman in high school. Wherever it came, I found for me it happened a lot um, when I would I would you know be at a party mm-hmm. in college and I would drink too much and just kind of giggle and like touch an arm and you know what I mean and mm. just. Not that I ever acted like I was dumb, but I definitely was like, oh, explain that to me. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I actually know all the rules of football and all the rules of mm-hmm. hockey, but I'm going to let you explain mm-hmm. what goaltending is to me because you're cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I did not feign an interest in sports to impress boys. Again, did not have a lot of boyfriends. <laughs> I will say, I never feigned my interest in sports to get a guy. Right. In fact, I tried to dial back my interest in sports to get guys because men don't actually want women who love who sports, sports for the sport. Yeah. No, they want They a- want women to have sports explained to them by the men. Yeah, they want a receptacle mm-hmm. for their opinions. Yes. Correct. Yeah. And that's why the fruit cup girl thing is a thing. Mhm. I'm sure I will come up with an example from my own history. You I just will. I believe in you. All I can think of at the moment is times when I did the exact opposite and it did not help me get boys. Mm. Being yeah. a total bitch doesn't help you me You just get went boys. to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. 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 It's that fine line in the middle. Well, you're, I also was the same way and I think that it made us very weary of girl, of fruit cup girls. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. so... I guarantee that there were parties that I was at that I should have helped someone Mm -hmm. and didn't think enough to do so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's another point. A point she makes about Fruit Cup Girl is that um, other girls think so little of them that when they see them drunk at Mm -hmm. parties, they won't help them. 
because they're just like, oh, it's just her being fruit cup girl. Which is, is too bad because yeah. that mm -hmm. means that girls aren't, aren't there for each other. Yep. Yeah. You want to talk about Halloween? Sure. So we uh, talked about the book mentions Halloween in the context of sometimes parents are going to be very freaked out when their daughter wants to dress in a more risque and revealing way. In the movie is a huge Halloween party and they pretty much steal a quotation from the book. I guess it's not stealing because Tina Fey optioned it, but... Yeah, she got paid for that. <laughs> not stealing. All right. She copied and pasted from the book into her script. Fair. <laughs> uh, Lynn, uh, Lynn, who is 16 when she said this, says, I love Halloween. You can be a devil, angel, or a French maid. It's an excuse to be sexy without worrying about what anyone else is saying. And Katie, in her voiceover, goes through how she didn't get the memo that it was a time when you could be right. super slutty without anybody calling you a slut to your face. Yep. Yeah. In um, the book, it talks... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. In the book, it talks about how parents can navigate the waters of that with their daughters mm -hmm. and how this is a time when they are exploring their sexuality and it's important to not shame them or make them feel bad about it, but to talk openly about how perceptions are important mm -hmm. and how you want to make sure that you're still respecting yourself and you're doing it because you want to, not because you're expected to look a certain way. Right. Which yeah. I thought was good. And one of the things I do like about um, this book is, um, you know, Ra Weissman recognizes that, you know, girls are going to check their boundaries and test them and stuff. And That's part she, of growing up. Right. Right. She doesn't say, you know, tighten the boundaries. Um, but she, And so she's like, you know, recognize that, you know, girls are going to try this and you shouldn't you should encourage them to be to like kind of respect their bodies and respect themselves and not feel pressure to do it but you know if they want to do it you shouldn't be like don't do it because that's not gonna that's not gonna to work either it's gonna backfire yeah it's gonna close your daughter off so that yep. she no longer can talk to you exactly yeah. and so one of the thing like you know kind of the major thing is she's like her biggest thing is like don't shut that off like don't do anything that will close your daughter off from you and I think that's the biggest message of the book it's a really good takeaway yeah thank you all right so Anna from the balcony yes so 2004's Mean Girls was directed by Mark Waters from a screenplay by Tina Fey who of course also plays math teacher Ms. Norbury the film centers around new girl at North Shore High School Katie Heron played by Lindsay Lohan Katie has been homeschooled while growing up in Africa, and she is thrown into the deep end of high school politics cliques. Cliques? <laughs> We've said this word like 20 times tonight already. Cliques. She is thrown into the deep end of high school politics, cliques, and teen girl culture. It doesn't go well. Unsure how to fit in, she ends up eating lunch on her first day of school in a stall in the girls' bathroom. That's so disgusting. It's so gross. Fortunately, on her second day, Katie is befriended by two lovable weirdos, Janice Ian, played by Lizzie Kaplan, and Damien, played by Daniel Frenzies. Frenzies? Frenzisi? Frenzisi? Fren Frenzies. Frenzisi. 
That's got to be it. Yeah. <laughs> Janice and Damien give Katie a crash course in North Shore's social structure, even drawing Katie a map of where to find the various cliques, a direct reference to queen bees and wannabes. Each, each table in the cafeteria is designated for a specific group, and the worst of them all is the plastics, the ultimate mean girls. Gretchen Wiener, whose hair is so big because it is full of secrets, played by Lacey Chabert. Karen Smith, who has a fifth sense, played by Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> and their queen bee, whose hair might be insured for $10,000, Regina George, played by Rachel McAdams. Katie accidentally falls in with the plastics and is welcomed in as one of them. She decides to pretend to be their friend so she can help Janice humiliate Regina, but she soon becomes wrapped up in the world of gossip, clothes, and boys, and becomes as plastic as the rest, even briefly supplanting Regina as the queen. Many of the archetypes from the book are found in the movie, as you mentioned. So Gretchen is part banker, storing all of the gossips and secrets until she spills them all when she thinks Regina has rejected her. Uh, Regina is, of course, the queen bee, who bullies her parents into giving her their master bedroom. Janice the Target, who was bullied so badly by her former friend Regina in seventh grade that she left school for months. And even Regina's mom, the cool mom who offers alcohol and condoms to the teens and tells them that they keep her young. Um, <laughs> so I actually wasn't sure who Karen was. Like, sometimes she seems like the sidekick, mm -hmm. but I think she might be too stupid to actually be effective as an enforcer. So maybe I thought she's she was a pleaser. A pleaser. You yeah. think she's a pleaser? Because she's too dumb to be anything she's else. Too well, I mean, it's adorable. she's the messenger, though. That's true. Oh, that's true. She does play the messenger. But I, I found that... Um, so Gretchen definitely has multiple roles, and I mm -hmm. actually had a hard time fitting Karen in any roles. But I think you're right. She's part pleaser. So something that the book stresses a lot is how insanely difficult and terrifying it can be to be a teenage girl in high school, and even the kindest girl can find herself committing crimes against humanity just to stay afloat in this cutthroat world. Mean Girls ably demonstrates how to fit in. Innocent Katie bends and twists who she is, mimicking the plastics by complaining about her own body's flaws, pretending to be bad at math so she could talk to the cute senior boy. Fruit cup girl. Uh, fruit cup girl. And spreading gossip to tear apart other girls' friendships, even sabotaging Regina by giving her the weight gain bars. The conflicts between the girls erupt into chaos when Regina takes their burn book. This is the, the book the Plastics created together as a chronicle of every girl in their grade with their picture and nasty descriptions and gossip. She plasters the pages of the burn book all over the high school. The junior girls are rounded up into the gym where Mr. Duval, the principal, unsuccessfully attempts to resolve the problem before turning it over to Ms. Norbury. Uh, Ms. Norbury clearly has read Queen Bees and Wannabes because the workshop she improvises is straight out of Rosalind Wiseman's classroom. She asks the girls to close their eyes and raise them if they've had something mean said about them than if they've said a mean thing about another girl. Uh, they even um, recreate the moment from the book where a very pretty girl raises her hand and says, we don't, mm -hmm. and says, we don't have cliques in our school, which, of course, Regina says in the movie, but happens straight yeah. out of the book. Um, the workshop continues with confessions and trust falls. So as I have confessed, I did not finish the book. Is there any point where she says she does trust falls? In no. Her no. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. I think Tina Fey put that in there because it's good comedy. Yes. Not necessarily. It's slightly outdated as like a workshop. Yes. Um, yes. Action. But it was all the rage. 
when mm. this film was yes. coming out. I, I feel Trust Falls are even older than that. Is they might too? be a little bit older. They might have been on the tail end of okay. Trust I just Falls remember there all the ads from Improv Asylum. Yes. Don't do another <clears throat> Trust Fall with Ted from HR, and they're like, hire us. Which yeah. I think is really messed up because Ted was lovely. Yeah, I love Ted. No one from HR is ever lovely. <laughs> Except for my friends who have worked in HR. Those are the exceptions. Until you need something from them. <laughs> and then they're great again. Yeah. No, that's exactly... That's a very mean girl behavior. So when Katie still can't face her actions, Janice confesses for her, letting Regina know that Katie has been behind all the bad things happening to her. Losing her boyfriend, her friends, and even her perfect body. Regina flees with Katie behind her, and Regina's hit by a bus. Yes. Also, I assume not in the book. Um, but... I mean, is that in the later edition? No. Okay, so no one gets hit by a bus in the bus. <laughs> no. But the fourth edition does feature a huge chapter about when your mean girl gets hit by a bus. Oh, the choder. The, the choder pushes it in the bus. So when a choder pushes you in front of a bus, <laughs> that is the sound of Michelle snorting. I'm okay. so sorry. No, don't. You said you were going to, and you did. This is a promise fulfilled. Mission accomplished. So ultimately, Katie learns the hard way that tearing other girls down won't build her up. She apologized to the people she has hurt, and when she wins the Spring Fling Queen crown, she breaks it into pieces and shares it among all the girls who deserve to be recognized for their unique strengths instead of competing against each other. By the time Katie starts her senior year, she knows who she is and who her real friends are. Aww. <laughs> so, BuzzFeed quiz result time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was the girl who looks like Danny DeVito. Wait, wait, wait. First, what is what is the BuzzFeed quiz that we took so that oh, right, our right, listeners right. can find it for themselves? Michelle, you know the name of it. It is the BuzzFeed quiz that is simply, which mean girl's character are you? Yes. yes. So, Sam, you are. I'm the girl who looks like Danny DeVito. <laughs> and I am the boy who farts a lot. <laughs> now, before Anna tells you hers... Sam and I were in the same room when we took it, and Anna was putting her child to bed, as mothers do. And so, she took it later. We were convinced that they were none of the actual characters were a part of this, because we bought, both got such terrible characters. <laughs> we tell Anna that she has to take the quiz. And this is what we get. And then she comes back to us three minutes later and says I got the best character in the whole movie I got Janice Ian <laughs> on my first attempt I did not retake the quiz I answered it honestly and truthfully and I, it's, I think it's because she chose the Black Ranger uh. it's probably because I chose the Black Power Ranger <laughs> or because I said I don't work out I don't know um, but also I, I really got... was Janice in high school <laughs> do you think that I got the boy who farts a lot because I chose Matilda as my movie no I think it's because no. you said you eat tacos they don't even have beans other things can make you have gas nope mm. I was Danny DeVito because I chose Matilda probably <laughs> <laughs> look Matilda can't be the X factor for both of you <laughs> because then you would have ended up with the same character that's true yeah well alright I had Matilda and hot dogs. Oh, well, there's the deviation. (laughs) So, do you guys want to play some fun and games? Yay! Yes, let's! (laughs) All right, it's time for some heartthrobs and hairdos. Yay! Yay! Michelle, do you want to kick us off? Oh, yeah. So, 
my hotties, which I feel like I was supposed to say Aaron, and I did not want to make out with him. No. He was too pretty. He needs like a neck tattoo or like a scar across his face. Oh my or God. What are you looking for in a man? I don't know. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I want a high school boy with a neck tattoo. Can I have one of those? He's not in high school anymore. <laughs> anyway, my point is uh, he's not on my list. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you who is. My number one hottie is Shane Omen. He grew up to be on the blacklist and he's still fine as hell. Yeah, he is. Diego What is what are the sounds you're making? <laughs> His last name. Oh, okay. All right. Oh. I just want to point out this is a podcast and no one else can see the face you're making. But I will describe it. The face Sam was making was like if um a severely injured frog is trying to ask for help. <laughs> If you look down and you're like, oh my god, what happened to that frog? I think it needs my help. That's the facial expression Sam was making. So, it, I mean, it was entertaining to see. But it's not going to come across in a podcast. So, dear listener, try and picture that. It was only meant to be the noise anyway. I really now want your listeners who are artistically inclined to draw you a frog in need of help. A severely a injured severely frog, injured frog in need of help. And send it in. Yes, that is a really good challenge. Dear listeners, <laughs> all you fans have adapted with Anna and Sam and Michelle, send us your illustrations. <laughs> Who's your next hottie, Michelle? <laughs> My next hottie is Kevin Kapoor. Oh, yeah. Nice. I'm real bad at math, so I need a hottie who's good with it. And then my last hottie, I was torn, much like Natalie and Brulia, because I think that straight out, the most attractive was probably Chip Heron, Katie's dad, but the principal was also the ladies' man, <laughs> <laughs> and that's hot, but in my heart of hearts, I have to go with Miss Norbury. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Because we do see her bra. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Who doesn't love a little flash? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Anna, you want to? Um, yes. So my heart throbs. I did choose A.A. Ron Samuels. <laughs> I'm not no mad at No neck tattoo needed. I'm not mad at you. I respect your decisions. Thank you. Um, and But I feel like other than that, we went in similar directions because my second hottie is Mr. Duval, played by Tim Meadows. If he had oh, been my yeah. high school principal, I would have been in that office a whole lot more. Oh, yeah. And then my third hottie for rocking the dad bod is Katie's dad, played by Neil Flynn. Nice. Respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I go for tall 40-somethings with, like, square haircuts, man. <laughs> and, and high schoolers with neck tattoos. Those are my two types. <laughs> I respect, Sam. I respect all of your decision-making. Sam, who are your hotties? <laughs> I overlap with both of you. So um, my first one was Tina Fey, Ms. Yeah. Norbury. Loved her. Uh, Tim Meadows, because he was, he's a treasure in this movie. He is, he is a national yeah. treasure. Yeah. And then Kevin Nepore, 
Kevin G. Yeah. Badass his, his, MC. He really should have won the Christmas concert talent yeah, show. Yeah, he should have. He got stopped in the middle. I and bet if they let him finish his song, he would yeah. have won. Yeah. Oh, probably. Yep. <laughs> right, Anna, you want to give us your top three styles, your outfits? Yes. And despite the fact that these girls are all supposed to be very stylish, I actually struggled with this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think because their style was actually giving me, like, PTSD yes. to late high school, early college, and the kinds of, like, those stupid jeans that, like, you could not help them showing your butt crack mm-hmm. if you even, like, thought about bending over. Mm-hmm. So, like, that whole style. Um, so, but I did manage to find three. So, first of all, I actually thought that Gretchen Wiener's spring fling dress was really lovely mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. understated for her. Um, of course, another spring fling, spring fling outfit, Janice and Damon, Damien wear matching purple tuxes, yes. and that yes. was amazing. I love it. Um, and then, uh, this is a little out of left field, but um, I feel like I have to give a nod to Amy Poehler as... Um, as Regina George's mother is rocking a pretty awesome, like black floral jacket when she's videotaping the Christmas concert. And it's actually pretty cute. It is. So uh, a nod to good mom wear. Mm -hmm. Nice. Very nice. Um, So I actually ended up going with the top three styles that date this movie. Oh, interesting twist. Um, So Katie's dress at her party with the strapless over a bra. Oh, my God. I was like, yep. That is not a good dress. No. Um, Katie's plaid ruffled short skirt. I felt was very of the time. Fun fact about that outfit. Yeah. It is um, on Paramount Studios' lot. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was not supposed to, but I touched it. (gasps) You can... This is not going to be evidence if you're ever arrested. Well... Sam. Nobody knows who she is. We're, we're fine. Sam, edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Sam, do not edit that out. Nope. <laughs> no, actually, the only thing I am concerned about is that my friend left me alone in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> no one should ever leave you alone in hallways. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not as bad as when I touch ca- the Casablanca piano. No. So, we're oh fine. my god, you should never be left alone. <laughs> that was a totally different lot. That was not. Uh, no, but in general, you should not be uh, left alone. Well, that's probably accurate. <laughs> all I'm saying is that if the case on the Warner Brothers lot that had all eight Maltese Falcon statues had had the key in it, I would have went all up in there too. <laughs> oh, this is. I am. Remind me never to go on your national treasures with you because I feel like it would end badly. Like Kevin J. Or so touch him and then we'd all get in trouble. Or it would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it would. We'll have to just find out. Guess we have to go <laughs> on an excursion. <laughs> Sorry. I oh, interrupted okay. your, oh, yeah, well, um, your sweet, sweet. You had other list. styles. I did. Sam. <laughs> um, and then Mrs. George, Amy Poehler's pink velour tracksuit. Oh, yeah, that was. It, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but honestly, my favorite outfit was Katie's Halloween costume. It oh, was so yeah. Good, right? Her, her, uh, ex-wife. Yes. It was clever. It was. It was scary. Yep. It was good stuff. It was good. Yeah. Michelle? So, I don't like anything, really, <laughs> of the styles in this movie. Yeah. But I do love an elbow patch, so... Gretchen's outfit when they go to the mall mm. has elbow patches, mm-hmm. so that's my that's okay. my number one. I like it. Also, Gretchen's hair looks 
amazing. She does have great hair. The whole movie. Mm-hmm. But particularly, I want to call out uh, head to toe when she does her Caesar oh, scene, her Julius yeah. Caesar yeah. scene. Which is such a great yeah. moment. Yeah, Such a great Gretchen moment. And I, lo- I love everything about it. I love how it does the dissolve from um, the Christmas concert into mm-hmm. that. I love everything about it. Yep. And she looks fantastic. And my third one is the skirt. This is this is a deep cut. This is the skirt that Regina ends up hating on the girl walking by when she asks her in the hallway. She says, oh my gosh, that's so cute. Right. Where did you get it? Oh, and the girl's like, and oh, it was my mom's. Yes. And Regina says, vintage. Yeah. It's the and ugliest effing thing I've ever seen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what triggers... Katie to realize that she was actually making fun of the the bracelet mm-hmm. that her yeah. mom had made her. But it was actually a cute skirt. That skirt was so freaking was. cute. Yeah. Regina's... I would rock that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Regina's just being a bitch to be a bitch. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is the story of who she is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, are you guys ready for quizzes and questions? Bring it. Okay. Um, so I feel like we may have talked about this a little bit already, but what were you in high school? I was definitely, um, depending on the time, like a torn by stander or, or a target, more of a target in middle school and like a torn by stander in high school, but sometimes I was a messenger. Mm-hmm. For me, I was, I was a torn bystander for part of seventh grade. And then I, what ended up happening was the group of girls that I was in the clique with the queen bee decided to kick one girl out each week mm. and like, she'd be able to come back in the next week. But for that week, she couldn't eat with us. She couldn't, we wouldn't, we, we weren't supposed to talk to her. Oh my, that's awful. And the first two girls she did it to, I was like, whatever. I don't actually really like them. I can hold this one up. But then the third girl was my, one of my closest friends. Mm. And so I was like, I'm not going to not talk to her. So I still talked to her that whole week, which meant, of course, that the next week I was the target. Right. And I was the one who was out. That's awful. And I very distinctly remember going home and bawling my eyes out. And God bless my mom, because she sat there and listened to me say, I'm sure, the same damn thing over and over and over again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And by Thursday at dinner... I stopped crying. I think I probably was dehydrated. (laughs) And so my mom was so wonderful and so good. And she was just so positive about how, are those the type of girls that you want to spend your time with Mm -hmm. then? You have other friends. You play, you know, I played travel soccer with people. I did theater stuff. So I had other groups, but this was the cool girls that Mm -hmm. I had been a part of. And so... On Friday, I knew that it was my last day that I would be ousted from the group. But I went and sat with the girls that were really nice to me all week Mm -hmm. that I think I had art class with and didn't really know that well. And so what ended up happening is that that next Monday, I didn't even think about it. I just went to the table with the girls that I had sat with the previous week. And so that really changed me entirely Mm -hmm. because I chose to be a champion and I really decided that I would only be friends with people who were really worth it Mm 
mm-hmm. and I fucked it up a lot because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm also very trusting. <laughs> but it meant that I no longer had one group because I didn't feel like that was, I didn't feel like I could trust myself enough to pick the right click mm-hmm. to just dedicate myself to. And so it was really a safety mechanism that I had put into place for myself to make sure I always had somebody who I knew I could trust. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Like that this moment and what was you said? Seventh, seventh grade. grade mm-hmm. That, that, I mean, I can see, still see how that is influencing who the person you are today is. Without a doubt. Like it, that's, mm-hmm. that's it, so interesting. That's something that happened so long ago. I mean, not so long ago. You're not that old, but like, no, it was a bajillion. Three <laughs> years ago. <laughs> that it, that it's shaped who you are to this day. That's one of the most formative memories of my life. I think. Wow. Because girls are bitches. Yeah, they are. Yes, we are. But they don't have to be. Mm-hmm. And that's no. what I've been learning since then. Mm-hmm. Is you can make choices. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, I think your mom displayed a lot of what Rosalind Weissman talks about in her book being like, you know, kind of not pushing you to make a decision either way, being being like, how do you want to be treated? It's like, do you really want to be friends with somebody who doesn't value you the way that you deserve to be? Yeah. And I think that's really, that's, the kind of parent everyone should uh, should want to be because I mean I already knew that all parents should try and be like Michelle's yeah. mom because Michelle's mom's super <laughs> awesome but this is just a really good example yeah. I'm very biased but I agree. your mom your mom is super great I do know that I'm a fan <laughs> but also my mom was in that instance the loving hard ass yes mm-hmm. she Absolutely. didn't sugarcoat it she was like yeah this sucks mm-hmm. you have every right to be bawling your eyes out but mm-hmm. she listened to you yeah. she let you. Like, express what you needed to express. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that's really powerful. Yep. I remember it so vividly. I would get home from school, drop my school bag, and burst into tears before I mm-hmm. even closed the door. And we would sit in the front room of my house, and I would just cry. And my mom just would sit there with tissues and listen yeah. and give great advice. Aww. Yeah. That's so great. Yep. More so than... A lot of other things that have happened to me in my life, that is one of the main instances where I really was so incredibly grateful for my mom and who Mm -hmm. she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I actually was trying to think back, and and I feel like I may have blocked some memories. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, high school is not easy. Middle school Mm -mm. and high school are, are not easy. And I definitely went through phases where I was a target. Mm-hmm. But I think I think at various points in my school career, I was almost every single one of these girls. Mm-hmm. I was the sidekick. I was the floater. I was the tour bystander. I was the wannabe. I was the target. I think the only thing I never was was the queen bee. Mm-hmm. But I think just about everything else mm-hmm. I was at one point or another. And I think if I was to look back at, like, fifth grade, I was much more of a target. And then as I got older, I think it became more of the floater champion and I, I did have, like, senior year, I did have, like, multiple groups that I was hanging out with. But, mm-hmm. um, but then there were also times that I remember being the, the torn bystander and not standing up for my friends. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it's, in, it's interesting. I didn't, I didn't read this book and go, oh, that's who I was. I was like, oh, I'm a little bit this and a little bit yeah. that. And 
there was a time when this applies. Mm-hmm. And- well, and yeah, because people aren't a paragraph in a book. Right. You know, everything is much more complicated. And when you put like people together. Gretchen Wieners. Right. Exactly. exactly. I am I am Gretchen Wieners without the hair. Well, and I mean, you have great hair. Oh, that was, you didn't have to say that. No, I know I didn't have to, but I did because you have great hair. I think, though, that part of the reason that I really like the character of Gretchen in this is that more so than any other character, she knows exactly who she is. Mm -hmm. And whether or not she likes herself doesn't even matter. She knows exactly what she needs to do for who she is. Yep. Um, And that changes. And so sometimes she's the banker and sometimes she's the sidekick and... But she always is taking care of herself mm-hmm. in a way that um, I find to be really fascinating upon she's, rewatching. Yeah, she's very savvy at navigating the, the social world. Yeah, she's got girl world down. Mm-hmm. So I did have one other question for you guys, which is, what is your, what is either your favorite quote from the movie or the line that you use most in your daily life? She doesn't even go here. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely say, boo, you whore, on a regular basis. (laughs) Mostly to my cat, but. (laughs) Who is a whore? Who is a whore? (laughs) Oh, where is our our co-host? He's asleep. Don't wake him up. (laughs) For once, he's not bothering us. Sam, do you have do you have an answer? I, I mean, just the fetch. I like to say it when you say people, that's so fetch. No, I say, can you make? Are you gonna make fetch happen? Oh, all right. Yeah. Just because I'm like, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> I also find myself randomly just yelling out, "You go, Glen Coco." <laughs> I think I just really love Damien. Damien is amazing. Yeah, he is amazing. Yeah. He is definitely in my in my top characters. He should have won the talent show. Yes, right? he should have. <laughs> um, <laughs> Michelle, what are your questions? Oh, well, I had some like serious questions. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, my first question is: Do we even like Katie? We're supposed to, but do we? I yeah. don't. Yeah. It's I, like, I like yeah. what she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I act, mm, I'm gonna say it. I think she's one of the weakest actors in the movie. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> the look on your face says you're really actually pretty happy that you said it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I always feel bad when I when I pass judgment on a young actor, and I, I forget exactly how old she was when this was made, but she was not. She was still a teenager, right? Like she was like yes, yeah. And so I I feel it's. A, I feel it's unfair to pass judgment on someone who is, like, still forming as a human being to be able to give the same level of performance as, say, an experienced comedian like Tina Fey or Tim Meadows. You don't become Tim Meadows overnight. Right. Um, he is just great. Um, but at the same time, like, command, I compare her to, like, Amanda Seyfried and, and um, mm-hmm. Lacey Chabert, who they um, live in these characters so much more fully. And I, I think, honestly, the performance... Um, damages the character. I do. I don't know if I feel like it's the writing of Katie or if it's the acting of Katie that I have more problems with. I think that they're both problematic for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of the other characters are able to be 
more a fully kind of realized full character. Katie's kind of a cipher. Yes. But I feel like a, a better actor would have found more depth there. Yeah. Potentially. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't like Katie. I, I mean, yeah, you guys basically said it all. There was, like, I didn't believe her when she, um, you know, tried to go back from being a mean girl. Into At the her, end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, kind of being herself. I felt like it was the same as when she was a mean girl. Like, there was no real change. It was like she was just back to wearing her normal clothes, but there was no affectation With a sweet, sweet jacket from the mathletes. Right? That was a great jacket. How come that wasn't anyone's top outfit, guys? (laughs) The mathlete jacket. A gross oversight on our part. Yes. All right. Well, live and learn. (laughs) I will say that I like voiceover Katie much better. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. She's yeah. self-aware. Mm-hmm. She's reflective. She is not a jerk. <laughs> and even at the end when she is daydreaming about the, I don't know, limits or whatever, mm-hmm. she first looks at the girl and she's like, what are you doing, crazy? Like, just because she has some lipstick on her teeth mm-hmm. doesn't mean that she's not going to kick your butt at this math Yeah, question. that's actually one of my favorite moments of her transformation is it's like mm-hmm. when she realizes tearing down another girl does not make me better. Mm-hmm. And like. That's a that's a powerful thing to learn. But it's a voiceover. Mm-hmm. It is a voiceover. And so she's literally just standing there. Yeah. I mm-hmm. did not see any yeah. of that in her physical being. Right. Yeah, and I looked it up. She was about 20 when this was filmed. Okay. Well, but it was pre-like hot messness. It was yes. pre-hot mess. I, I just, it's not a great performance. No. I mean, it's she just, was yeah. better in The Parent Trap when she was mm-hmm. wee. Mm-hmm. She didn't say good, Anna. She just said better. No, I'm I'm agreeing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I I'm holding back my opinion about the Parent Trap. As a movie? As a movie. Oh, okay. It's not a good movie, and Sam and I have had many discussions about. She, she judges my, all of my movie choices. I do. And she brings up high spirits every single oh, podcast. hey, who brought up high spirits this episode? <laughs> Not me. It wasn't Anna. This time it was Sam. This one's on you, Sam. Steve Gutenberg gets 20 cents every time an, a, any podcast mentions a movie he's in. Aww. You are buying him a new vacation house, personally. That's, none of that is true. That's no. not how podcasts work. We owe Steve Gutenberg nothing. nothing. But, he, but he's pretty good on season two of Veronica Mars. What are your other quizzes? Uh, And then I got kind of real with my questions. But I'm going to end with my funner question. Okay. So my biggest, one of my biggest issues with this movie, looking back on it now, is the coach storyline. Oh, Mm. Yeah. As a That's teacher, played for comedy in right. this movie. As a teacher, I am disgusted by it. And when it came out, it grossed me out. Now is even mm-hmm. 85-fold. In light of things like the Me Too movement, is that section of this film make it almost unwatchable for you? Because it does for me. Um, I'm going to let Sam go first. Um, yeah, when, you know, 
So there's just so much wrong with that. One, a male authority figure taking advantage of underaged girls. Mm-hmm. Two, Asia's fetishism, because the two girls that he hooks up with are both Asian. And, you know, the thin, long hair, mm-hmm. very feminine-looking types. And, you know, that's a huge problem with white men is just fetishizing Asian women in a mm-hmm. making in like it just that's all horrible so yeah I mean that makes it very problematic for me because it is play for comedy and we're supposed to go like haha look that that old white guy he's getting it on with these two young girls that trusted authority figure right, right. yeah and you know <sighs> growing up um you know, and being close with, you know, my male coaches and gym Mm -hmm. class, you know, I trusted them implicitly. And, you know, what if they had acted on that, that trust, you know, so it just, and, you know, there's always rumors going on, you know, and so it was, I didn't think it was funny, like watching it this time. I was just like, that's, that's not okay. It's so funny when, so I remember distinctly being, you know, 16, 17 and not thinking it was that big a deal for someone older to Mm -hmm. be attracted to me or my friends or interested in me or my friends. And once you get to the age of like the older person and you're like a 16 year old, no, that is a, that is a baby. That is an infant. Like that Mm -hmm. feels very wrong. And when you're a teenager and you want to be seen as an adult, it's flattering to be seen as an adult by by right. an adult mm-hmm. male. And then once you get to that age, you realize just how gross it is. Mm-hmm. And that's... that's Yep. Um, so I, I totally agree. It is... It is... It's it's not funny. I, I didn't... It didn't bother me watching it, you know, when I was, what, 19, 20. Mm-hmm. But it, it does... It, uh, it does... Um, I feel differently about it now. I would, I would say though, it does not ruin the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think there's a few things that are that are dated about this movie, um, but I think one of the things I like about this movie and why I still enjoy watching it is because it it brings me back to that that phase in my life, and I think it captures really well what it was like being in mm-hmm. high school in the late '90s, early 2000s. Um, and so it feels it 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 feels like that that emotional connection and that right. that that's still there for me. Mm-hmm. And in fact, at the time, it wouldn't have grossed me out. So it still is feels authentic to the kind of person I was. Yeah. Um, but I but I do totally agree that that is a, it's not funny and it is disturbing. Yeah. And, and it was and it was played for comedy and and I I would be very surprised if if. Tina Fey doesn't also now feel like, right. wow, that was... Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. Yes. Just yeah. like knowing the things that she's done since then. Mm-hmm. Not that, you know, anyone's perfect, but... Right. I, yeah. But yeah. she also is very upfront about you know, when she's like, looking back, that's not a great thing that I did there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well, I just like everything she's done with Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Michelle, did you have a, another question? Yes. Why does Aaron go back out with Regina? She dumped him for the other dude. Have some self respect, bro. Who's who's Aaron? You're right. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Why does Aaron 
take Regina back. Thank you. Gosh, say his name right. Aaron was dumped the previous year for Blacklist Hottie, and I don't understand why he gets back with her. Especially because he had apparently gotten a crush on Katie. Yeah, I wonder, is is Aaron susceptible to the same kind of social pressures of, like, you know, just like how when 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 Regina turned her charm on Katie, it was really hard for Katie to not think, wow, this really pretty popular girl wants to be my mm-hmm. friend. It was very hard for her not to get sucked into that orbit. I think that I think that might work on teenage boys too. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much the he still has the pressures to act like a man in that box, and you know, part of that is dating the pretty girl and the, the most popular girl yeah. in school. Yep. So I I don't agree with his choice um i think he was dumb i think he's dumb he's bad at math and he's, he's very bad, bad at, at math and he's bad at resisting terrible people right and you <laughs> like know when Regina she's like and katie brushing his hair off his forehead to like you know piss katie off i was just like dude how do you yeah. not get what she's doing but he's got, you know, that floppy hair. It's the yeah, thing. that floppy hair that was just so cute in 2004. <laughs> Need a neck tattoo. My, <laughs> that's what was missing. My final question for you, lovely ladies, is where did Katie's dad grow up? <laughs> How does he not understand what being grounded entails? Uh, so he was also homeschooled in Africa. Weird. Was he? No, of course no. not. Oh, no clue. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. How did <laughs> no. he and the mom? I read that on the IMDb trivia. No, I don't know. How, yeah, how does he not know? You gotta want. Uh, so maybe like. I'm like, you're a fucking adult. How do you not know? Yeah. How grounding works. Yeah, that is. That is weird. I, I understand if Katie yeah. didn't get it. Yeah. I think this was one of those moments where Tina Fey was trying to show how disconnected dads can be. Yeah, sure. But and she could have chosen a different way to do it. Um, I just think now we need to have... Uh, so somewhere, someone has written some Mean Girls fan fiction. And I oh, hope sure. someone has written the prequel about Katie's dad's childhood. <laughs> um, maybe it was like a farm or a cult type situation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I think maybe he's got an interesting background, and I, I hope someone on the internet has created that. Yes, we should search for that. Send it to us, read listeners, if you find it. Dear listeners. Dear listeners. Pictures of um, severely injured frogs asking for help, and the st- short stories or screenplays of Katie's dad. Of Katie's dad's backstory. I like it. If you want to film a pilot for that show, send Do it. it. Oh, send it to yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. We we will we will boost that. <laughs> I did just think of one more question that I would like to ask you, lovely ladies. I'm of asking a lot of questions. It's okay. It's okay. You're a teacher. It's what you do. My final question is: Which character did you connect most with? And Anna, you already had told us. I feel like, but um, which Gretchen? character in because <laughs> of the cute hair? No. Oh yeah. I meant Janice because you took a quiz. I took the quiz. Um, and I'm totally. Uh, <laughs> But what character, if any, did you kind of feel the most connection with? Um, I, it wasn't any of the plastics or even Katie. Um, I feel like it was one of the the random girls that you... The wide-set vagina girl? Yeah. <laughs> definitely her. Oh, God. 
<laughs> Clearly her. <laughs> you guys, I just have heavy flow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I. <laughs> That's the line I want to say when I'm out in public. <laughs> That's the line I want to quote. I can't help but that I have a heavy flow in a white vagina. What? That's my favorite. You know what? That's actually a really great way to like get like stalkers to leave you alone. Yeah. Or, you know, like if you're being like followed. Unless they're into it. And then they're like, oh, she said vagina. I don't, I don't. I feel like that gets them every time. (laughs) Just go up to a guy and be like, vagina. And they're like. That usually weirds them out, I think. In my personal experience. Dear listener, (laughs) go into a public place. No, no, do not, do not, do not listen to Michelle. Do not do it. Anything Michelle's about to tell you to do, don't do it. Well, fine. Sam, did you have any questions? Um, so, um, how would you characterize Katie's parents in the roles that we went over? Because I think that Mrs. George was meant to be, like, the hip parent, the Mm -hmm. best friend parent, but I wasn't really sure about Katie's parents. They were just kind of useless. They were the useless parents. Yeah. I think they were really disengaged and didn't understand how things were supposed to be. Yeah. Um... And we're very naive about things. Yeah, I think it was honestly a lot of the choices that were made for them were, were on narrative convenience. Yeah. If she had had parents who were more involved, it would have been a different story. Whether it's more involved as like the lock her up type or any of the types that are outlined in the book, it would have impacted the story. And I think it just was convenient to have them just not be around. And we barely see them. We see yeah. them in the first scene. Once or twice we check in and then they're suddenly... There you know, at the end, caring and attempting to ground her and not knowing what it is towards the end. Yeah, so that's that's my input. Yeah, I th- yeah I agree. And then uh, my last question is: What role would you want for your hypothetical daughter or real life daughter? Choder. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's what we all would want. Mm-hmm. Um, we all want to be a choder. Gosh, I, everybody I, wants to chode the world. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I just if if we ever have swag for this podcast, then there has to be a, a choder. Everyone wants to be a choder. Sure. <laughs> yep. Everyone wants to be a choder. Yep. Tank top. I agree. Okay, that's that's one of our like professional goals. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Should we move on to fake awards now? Oh, please. <laughs> Let's. So, um, you, uh, shall I? Go. Okay, so it, yeah. I would like to award the Jeff Goldblum Award to Lindsay Lohan. Because I do not think she loses herself in the role. And she is certainly distractingly beautiful. Not like Jeff Goldblum beautiful, but still pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, But I just, I never lost the Lindsay Lohan-ness. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tim Meadows Award goes to Tim Meadows <laughs> for being so Tim Meadows. I just, I think he's so underrated and he's he really so funny. Is. And then the Neville Longbottom Award wow. goes to Rajiv Surendra, a.k.a. Kevin, Kevin Napore, Kevin, Kevin G. Because yes. if you Google Rajiv Surendra, he grew up mm-hmm. super fine. Uh, like, that is some... He's like a 24-pack. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. The, the amount of packs going on in his abdomen is sick. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a fun thing to Google when you're at work. <laughs> and I highly recommend it. Nice. I like it. 
I gave my Jeff Goldblum award to Tina Fey because I can't not see her as Liz Lemon. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is just pre-Liz Lemon. Mm-hmm. Liz Lemon, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like with Jeff Goldblum, I love it. I am here for it. It's not mm-hmm. a bad thing. No. I'm not mad at it. No. Mm-hmm. That's but fair. I can't disassociate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave the Best Business Card Award <laughs> to Kevin Kapoor. Uh, Kevin Napoor, sorry. Uh, because his business card says, Math Enthusiast slash Badass MC. <laughs> and he wasn't wrong on either account. No. no. That he was sh- a dead accurate business card. Yep. Uh, the Sneakiest of Sneaks Award goes to Damien. Because he is in the ladies' room. He's yep. in the ladies' <laughs> meeting. He's everywhere he's not supposed she to be. He doesn't even go here. Yeah. Which is why I think it's my, one of my favorite lines yeah. mm-hmm. in any movie ever, really. Because he's not supposed to be there. And yep. he says, she's she not even supposed to be here. <laughs> yep. And then my one that Anna might not like is, Biggest refusal to apologize for her own shitty behavior goes to Janice. <gasps> As a Janice, I'm offended. <laughs> I know. No, the thing true. is, is that she is, we like her so much at the beginning, mm-hmm. but she is really the catalyst for Katie going and being a part of the plastics. She pushes Katie to manipulate Regina and betray her. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. And she likes it until Katie likes being there. A plastic, mm-hmm. yep. And... She flips out, and she does own that she's a bitch, just like Regina, but she never apologizes. And Katie, at least, comes back and says, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I fucked up, I, I'm trying to make amends. Mm-hmm. Regina tries to make amends. Almost everybody else in the movie has a redemption tale, except for her. Mm-hmm. The only thing she does is say are you better now to Katie? Mm-hmm. And that's it. No, that's a really good point. And she gets the guy in the end, too. She, oh, gets, she, gets, she gets 24 back. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, yeah. That, mm-hmm. was a, that was a good call, too. You get in when he's like still like a little nerdy, and then he, yep. and then he hotties up later, yeah. and you're like, mm-hmm. already there. Yeah. You get in, like, book three with Neville. Right. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. So, yeah, those are my awards. I love it. Thank Sam? you. Um, so mm-hmm. I awarded the Jeff Goldblum Award to the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> the janitor? So Katie's dad is the janitor. Oh, the janitor from Scrubs. From Sh- Scrubs. Yeah. yeah, but He's I, the janitor. I, I was confused because I don't remember a janitor in Mean Girls. I'm like, do we ever see the janitor? <laughs> that was like a really quick uh, shot, and I don't think he had any lines, and yeah, I am surprised. No. Yes, the janitor, so the janitor from Scrubs. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's how I see him anytime I see him. He also is a policeman in The Fugitive. Yes, he is. Huh. Yeah, he, he's on the on the subway, the L, yeah. with, the with Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. Which is a good six degrees thing, so, thing to know. Yep. For future. If you want to get Harrison Ford to Zach Braff real quick. That's there you go. go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Real quick. Which I often do. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. That's my fanfic right yeah. there. Um, and then, <laughs> which, and I, also ew, but anyways, I'm here for it. 
Um, the award for worst worst wig goes to Rachel McAdams. Uh, I think it goes to Rachel McAdams' wig designer. Yes. Okay, that's fair. She she didn't actually, nothing like, I don't think she provided her own wig for this movie. They can split the golden wig in half and share it. <laughs> there you, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> like the share. tiara. The <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. You both are responsible for yes. this very bad wig. We blame you both. both. Mm. Um, and then the award for national treasure goes to both Tim Meadows and Anna Gasteyer. Respect. Yep. I respect that. Mm-hmm. I actually was going to have an award for best use of an SNL alum, and then I couldn't pick I one. Couldn't yeah. choose. It was yeah. very much a Sophie's choice. It, mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I should have split the tiara between all four of them. You should. Yeah, you should have. And yeah. now I, I just yeah. realized that. <laughs> I also just would like to give an honorary mention shout out for. I'm not giving in an award, but I'm uh, acknowledging it. Uh, Karen's left breast. Yes. Oh, for its fifth sense. For its fifth sense. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sense in that weather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a 30% it's chance it's already raining. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amanda Seyfried is, is, is really good as Karen, and she, she plays that ditzy role She's so a great actress. Perfectly. Yeah, yeah. she mm-hmm. is. And it's it's just a lot of fun. I also really love when she says, I have ESPN. <laughs> I have a fifth sense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's and great. then she's lusting after her second, her first cousin, and just mm-hmm. everything she does is great. <laughs> <sighs> so, thus ends another episode of Adapted with Anna and Sam. We made it, you we guys. We did it. Thank you so much for having me oh, and letting oh, me talk so much. My gosh, we love letting you talk. Yeah, it's great. It was so much fun. You're you're a much better guest host than Rupert. <laughs> so I'll next, so next episode, we are delving deep into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean with the first Jack Ryan adventure, The Hunt for Red October, the novel that launched Tom Clancy's career and a seemingly unending stream of Jack Ryan's. It all started with Sean Connery's Scottish accent, Alec Baldwin at his most dreamboat, and Sam Neill's dream of Montana. Mm. Get ready for some hot Cold War action. I'm so excited. (laughs) I am too. (laughs) I've seen this movie a lot. Yes. Get ready for some hot Cold War action is my new favorite sentence. (laughs) Please, spread it. Uh, If you like that sentence, then perhaps you should... (laughs) Get in touch with us and let us know. Yeah. We want to hear from you. Send questions, comments, or favorite your six quotes. Degrees, your favorite quotes, <laughs> your pictures, your short it's movies, so- whatever. <laughs> um, you can find us at adaptedwithannaandsam at gmail.com. Or you can post on Facebook. You can find us at Adapted with Anna and Sam. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at adaptedwithannaandsam. At Adapted Podcast. Let's keep this uh, conversation or, you know, just funny pictures going. <laughs> a picture of a severely injured frog is worth a thousand <laughs> words. I say that all the time. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Adapted with Anna and Sam. And me, Michelle. I'm Anna, and I wish Wet Hot American Summer was based on a book. I'm Sam, and I wish The Ladies Man was based on a book. <laughs> And I'm Michelle, and I wish Moonrise Kingdom was based on a book. Bye! Bye.